Hello, and welcome to the Good Life Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope that you'll be encouraged, challenged, and that you'll hear the invitation to be a part of the transformative work of God. In this episode, we're hearing from Mike Hardy. I hope you enjoy. Well, if you are new here today, uh, and I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and I'm excited to share with you this message today. We're going to talk about uh, what I've called this, the other side of you, the other side of you. Um, Would you turn to the person next to you, if there is someone next to you, and hopefully you've met them by now, uh, and just say, I'm more than happy to tell you what it's like to be on the other side of you. Yes, we are. Now, I say that a little bit cheeky, but there's a question we're going to explore in a moment, and that is, what's it like to be on the other side of you? And some of you have heard me talk about this. I shared a tiny bit about this uh, the other day in Business Life, our community for um, business people, people in Marketplace that get together once a month. Uh, And, um, you know, my wife loves this question. For me, she's just like, yeah, you, you keep asking that question. What's it like to be on the other side of you? And then she's happy to serve me in telling me that. And um, I don't always appreciate it. But before we jump into it uh, and unpack that a little bit, I want to look at two scriptures just for a moment. And the first one is in Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 40. Now, Lamentations is generally the writings of Jeremiah and uh, an expression of God's people that are lamenting, they're expressing their frustration, their anger, their disappointment in life, and they're wrestling with what's happening in their nation, the fact that things aren't going well. And there's an exhortation here through the prophet in, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40, to examine ourselves, and it says, let us... So this is the community. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. If we just did that, great things would happen in our lives and in our community. And as a matter of fact, once a month, we take communion together as an opportunity to examine ourselves, to reflect, to say, what does it mean for me to return to the Lord, to return to the ways of Christ. The second scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. And it says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. This proverb is an invitation for us to slow down to be prudent, to be wise, to actually stay still long enough to actually give thought to our ways, to the way that we are living, the way we're walking and living out our life. One of the great challenges in our contemporary world is endless busyness, endless noise, endless activity. And the rare chance to actually stop, slow down, 
and not respond to a notification on our phone or our computer. To actually not have to feel like we have to respond just because someone sent us a message on Messenger and we're afraid that they're going to see our little face show up that we saw it. So we're like, ah, anxiety. Anyone get like social media anxiety around? They know that I saw that they sent me a message, but I can't respond right at the moment because I'm in the bathroom. Why? Why do we do that? Um, How many people, let's just be totally honest here, how many people in this room ever take their device to the bathroom with them? Honesty. Before God, look at this. Wow. We, We all need help. So today, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what does it mean for us to understand what it's like to be on the other side of us, the way other people experience us. And I want to talk about the dilemma of the echidna and the porcupine for a few moments. Now, I don't know if you know the difference because I just assume that porcupines is the American name for echidnas, but it's not true. Porcupines are different. And there's a few people already telling me that you know that. That's great. Um, I just learned this this week. And you know what? It's good to be a lifelong learner because even though you all know, I just learned this this week. The porcupine is actually from the rodent family. So they're kind of rats with spikes that have developed over time. And their spikes, it's actually pretty creative what they can do. If they feel threatened or they feel insecure or an animal comes to attack them, they can actually not only use their spikes to you know, crouch down and spike whatever it is that's coming near them, but they can actually dislodge the spike and it can end up being in the other animal or whatever it is, human, that's trying to attack it or get near it. And it can actually also release toxin. How crazy is that? Who wants that superpower? How handy would that be in certain social contexts? Anyway, um, then we have the porcupine, uh, sorry, the echidna, which is the Australian. Now, this one is not of the the, um, rat rodent family. Uh, It's actually a mammal. It lays eggs. But it also, over, over time, has developed a way of protecting itself from other wildlife, creatures, humans that would try to come and attack it. And it's just purely spiky. And the echidna is actually my favorite because it just looks pretty cute. I think we've got a picture of it there. Um, you ever see like echidnas like walk across the road here and we all stop and we're just like, oh, what a cute little echidna. And one time I got out and just like, look at this little echidna going across. And I like, just wanted to touch it and I'm like, Yeah, their spikes are very spiky. They could actually do a little bit of damage. Now, here's the interesting thing about porcupines and echidnas. They're sometimes a great metaphor for us as human beings. Because they have created a way for them to protect themselves from being hurt by others. And we do that too. In the movie Shrek, Shrek and the donkey have this discussion about the onion layers, you know, the layers that we put on to protect ourselves. As a matter of fact, do you know that a group of porcupines is actually often referred to as a prickle? A prickle. I think there are some of us that can be prickly, but we don't always know it. And this is where the question, what's it like to be on the other side of you, becomes really interesting 
even confronting and a little bit challenging. And today I want to spend a few minutes talking about um, the beginning aspect of what it means for us to have a community, a prickle, a group of people who all don't necessarily always get along. Because you know that on the surface when we come along to a gathering like this, everyone for an hour just sort of takes a deep breath. I'm going to be kind, I'm going to smile, I'm not going to cause too much damage. And then I'm going to go home, and then I'm just going to like let it all out, sometimes on our families. <laughs> um, but like we can, we can hold ourselves together socially for just long enough sometimes. But isn't it true that you hang around people for a little while, and you see this on these, um, uh, these shows on television like, you know, Going Into the Jungle or Big Brother, at first, you ever watch when they all meet each other? Oh, how am I? I know you. I love you. You're amazing. Now they're all like making each other feel good about the fact that they're all like B-grade celebrities. And so, um, so they're all like being all super friendly. And then like one week later, they all have, they're like voting one another off. They're like teaming up with other people. You see it on all the different shows, making alliances. And over time... As you spend time closer with one another, you get to see the prickly parts of them. I would love to tell you that there are no prickly parts to me. However, my wife is just upstairs. And she might hear and come down and say, can I have the microphone for a few moments? Now, here's what I love about church as our starting point. In church, the message that we share is that you belong and that we're all accepted and that we come on an as-is basis. This is the gospel. This is the message of grace. We come with all of our prickles. We come with all of our thorns, all of those parts of us that are maybe things we're not necessarily proud about, But God says, you are welcome. Everyone's welcome at the table. And as a community of faith, we're encouraged increasingly to be the kind of people that embrace, even when it hurts a little bit, those who are a little bit more prickly than some others. We are called to accept one another, Scripture tells us. This is an invitation to be a radical community of grace, where one week on, we're not voting people off the church, We're not making alliances against other people, but we're actually moving towards one another, hopefully with healthy boundaries, but saying we choose to accept one another, warts and all, for all of our mistakes. Maybe you've been into uh, a shop and you've seen the, the box at the front of the store sometimes or sometimes at the back of the store. And it's just got all the stuff that's a little bit damaged in it. And it's like 50% off or it's like, you know, 10% of, of what its normal price is. And, we, and sometimes it, there'll be a little sign and it will just say, you know, as is. And the reality is you buy that thing. It's got a little bit of damage to it. You take it home. You can't get upset when you actually find out how damaged it is. And you normally can't return it. And I think this is a little bit like us too. We come as is. But the invitation of the gospel and the invitation to a walking 
uh, relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to begin to do a transforming work in our lives. So that the person that I am today is a little different to the person that I'll be on the 27th of November this year when we have Thanksgiving. And I'll be able to celebrate and I'll be able to share and say, hey, I was a little angrier back here. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and an accepting, gracious community, is helping me transform or morph to become more like Christ, which is the goal of of us as Christians, to become like Christ. And what a beautiful story and what a beautiful picture that is. In the beginning of a book that John Altberg wrote, um, called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. It's a great title. came out many years ago. I love that book. And right in the beginning of the book, there's a little tribute, and it says, To Rick Blackman, who knows all about me and loves me anyway. What a beautiful thing to be able to say about friendship and community. You know, recently I had dinner with someone in our community. And this person just opened up and told me a whole bunch of stuff about their life. And as they were telling me things about their life, I realized it felt inauthentic to not also say, hey, I've also struggled with that. And we had a moment, which was a, a Rick Blackman moment, where we're telling things about ourselves, but we feel the feeling that the person loves me anyway. Do you know that is the most extraordinary gift you give another human being? It's grace. That's why the word grace means gift. It's a gift when someone says, there's some parts of my life that I want to hide and I'm not proud of. And there's some habits and there's some thinking and there's some automatic responses. Or there's some patterns of behavior in my life and This is who I really am. And that person looks you back and it doesn't change the dynamic between you. They just say, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you anyway. And then together we link arms. and We take steps forward to becoming transformed and finding healing and restoration. But the foundation to healing and restoration is not just trying to become a good person. It's radical acceptance in a gracious community. And anyone who agrees with what I'm saying said. Now, I want to show you a little slide for a moment. Uh, This next slide here. And this is what I shared at the Business Life Gathering the other day. And I share this sometimes uh, with people when I do some coaching with people. Um, The symbol in this picture, does everyone know what it is? It's the infinity symbol. And the idea of this little visual is to teach us this idea that the more we know ourselves, the more we become aware of what it's like to be on the other side of us, the better we can lead ourselves. Meaning, if you are aware that you speed all the time in the car, then you can, when you see the accelerator going up, you can go, oh, modern cars now have little beeping things, which is super annoying. For those that speed, um, 
And uh, it'll go beep, 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 like this. And it's letting you know. It's awareness. So when you're aware of that, then you can make a decision and a choice to actually bring the speed back down to an appropriate level. Now, on this little tool, the idea is there are four stages or, um, of what we might call self-awareness that we need to become aware of. And the first is learning to pay attention to our tendencies. Your tendencies are kind of what are shaped in your life as a result of, um, you know, the biology that's passed on to you by your parents, uh, the environment that you grew up in. If you grew up in a highly stressed, highly strung environment, that will impact to a certain degree how you interact with the world. If you grew up in a family where everything was just super chilled all the time, you called your parents by their first name, surfing was like going to school because it was learning about creation. Okay, that environment, which sounds pretty cool, by the way, um, wasn't my family environment, but I did have a fairly good family environment, just in case my parents are listening to this later. Uh, that impacts how that you interact, interrelate with the world. But then there's the choices that we make. We make choices as teenagers and as young adults to who are going to be our friends, what career path we're going to walk down. And, you know, the old saying that you're, you know, you end up becoming like the sum total of the five people that you hang around, all those sort of statements. I don't know whoever researched that, but it's a phrase that gets thrown around. But there's some validity to the fact that the choices that you make have an impact on what shapes your behavior and the way that you interact with the world around about you. Because we adapt into a certain kind of culture around about us. And culture's neutral. There can be good culture and there can be negative culture. And then at some point in our life, we, we have to face the reality. This is this point right over here where the circumstances of our life wake us up to the fact that things are not going the way we intend to be. The reality might be that your marriage is not in a great place. The reality could be that parenting is not the way you hoped parenting was going to be. The reality could be you're not sure why you never get a promotion at your work, but other people who have less experience than you seem to be getting promotions. And you're like, what is going on here? That's your reality. Now, if you look back at this tool, our tendencies end up becoming patterns of behavior in our life. And sometimes these tendencies can be unconscious patterns of behavior. You know, like when you rock up to a party, you're the person who you just walk in and you go straight to the corner, you grab a drink of soda water and lime. It's a good Baptists. Apparently that's what a good Baptist is, I've been told. And uh, you sit in the corner and you wait for one safe person to turn up to that party and come and sit down, and you just want to chat to that person all night. Have we got any people like that in, in the room? All right. Wow, I thought there'd be more. And then we have all the other people that came last night to the hoedown, and they're like, they walk in, and like, all these young people, it was everyone that came last night was young, and they come in, and they're just like, right, where are my people? Let's party. Let's, and they just kind of do that. Now, there can be a certain degree as you get older where you become aware of your needs and you become aware of that. But when I was younger, I was very unaware of the subconscious patterns of behavior in my life about why I did the things that I did. And so part of maturing is slowing down and paying attention to our ways, being thoughtful about our ways, as Lamentations and Proverbs says. 
and thinking about our actions. Now, the way this works is our tendencies that our patterns of behavior lead to our actions. Someone says something to us a little bit hurtful, we react and we put them in their place. We use our intellectual firepower to belittle that person and put them into their place because we feel attacked in some way. Or our response is we withdraw and we go and hide or we blow up and everyone goes, whoa, I just said a small little joke. Why did I get that reaction? Okay, so our tendencies lead to actions. Actions have consequences. It can be positive or negative. And these consequences end up creating the reality that we face in our life. Now, no one's immune to this reality. When I was young, um, we call this the, the broccoli in the teeth moment when you have that self-awareness moment. You're at dinner with your friends. You're having a nice meal. You go to the bathroom. Give yourself a little smile on the way back out. And you go, oh, there's a big piece of green stuff stuck there. And you think, how long's that been there? How come the forest didn't tell me that when we were having dinner? They're out there at the moment where you're looking in the mirror going, oh, how gross is the green stuff in his teeth? Because they're thinking, I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of me. So this happened when I was young. I've shared this story a lot. But I was driving in the car with some friends on a holiday. And my friend Sam sitting in the front driver's seat. And he starts telling a story. And my best mate Matt is in the passenger seat. And I'm sitting in the back. And there's another guy. And my friend starts telling a story. And as he tells a story, I think of a story that's a little bit better and bigger and more amazing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's happened to me too. And I just start telling my story, talking right over the top of him. And believe it or not, my still best friend, Matt, he says, uh, hey, Mike, I wouldn't mind hearing the rest of Sam's story. And it, he, he did it firmly. He did it in the way he knows how to do it. He's a kind man, but it was clear. And it was a jolting moment, I'm going to be honest, in the car. It was a moment where I felt a little bit offended, a little bit embarrassed. I joked that I went through the seven stages of grief for the next half hour in the back seat of the car. There was denial, and then there was anger, and you know, I was going through the whole thing. And then eventually I had what we call the self-awareness moment, that moment where I go, oh my goodness, I realize I think I do this all the time. Out of my enthusiasm, out of my passion, out of just interacting with people, I don't realize that I talk over and I can dominate. And someone with a less big personality can feel smothered and doesn't get their chance to say their story. Now, I'm probably the only person in this room who's ever done this. And I'm so sorry to everyone in here. Now, I would love to tell you, I was 21 years of age when I had that experience. I'd love to tell you that has never happened again since I learned that lesson of self-awareness. I went, wow, I'm going to stop doing that again. Teresa will run down and go, you did it to me last night. And someone at the hoedown will go, yeah, you did it to me three times last night. I was like, now, but here's the thing. Most people don't know how many times I now don't do it. It's still a tendency, and the, the bad thing about your tendencies is they tend to hang around. But when you know that, you can interrupt that pattern of behavior. And so very regularly, I'll be talking, not always to Sue, but I'm talking to Sue. Sue starts telling me something, and I go, oh, yes, absolutely. And then I'll say, no, sorry, keep going. Because what I'm doing at that moment is I'm aware of my tendency. I'm hearing myself getting ready to take over, 
and I try to cut that off and pause. And it can be a bit clunky in the conversation at times. But the graciousness of the other person doesn't walk away from me. They just say, oh, no, it's fine. And they continue to tell their story, and we have relationship. And so what we have at play here is a community of grace and acceptance with someone who's learning to let go of the prickly parts of them that actually undermines relationship and actually bring about a loving way. Now, the greatest thing that you can do is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and equally love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up all of the law and the commandments. So if we're going to love God well, we're going to love our neighbor well. And part of loving your neighbor, which, by the way, includes your spouse, your children, your literal neighbors, the people that you work with, is to learn to become aware of ourselves enough of our tendencies to ask the bigger question, which is, is the way I'm living demonstrating love as I see in the example of my Savior Christ? And this is the the journey of life and faith that we're all on. And I remember the phrase that Ryan, who's just over here, shared with our congregation when he preached, and he's preaching next week, by the way. Um, Yeah, everyone's pumped. Um, But he, he had this phrase, which is, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And I love that phrase because what it says is, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on my way to becoming the person that God has invited me to become. Now, when I was uh, in my early 20s, um, I'd been preaching a little bit. I was a youth pastor at a church, and I got in the car one day with a group of friends, and one of the people just said this. It always seems to be in the car, but anyway, they, um, they said this off-the-cuff comment. They said, oh, I like that thing that you do with your face. <laughs> Hopefully, you're not laughing because you know about this. Anyway, I'm like, what? What do you mean, that thing I do with my face? And everyone in the car starts laughing. And I'm like, what are you all? I'm, like, I'm feeling very defensive at the moment. I feel like my porcupine prickles need to come out here and defend myself, protect myself from what is about to happen. And I go, what are you talking about? And someone says, oh, that thing that you do where you scrunch your face up. And I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? And then someone in the front who's a little bit more compassionate says, oh, I think um, what happens is when you're speaking in particular, the sweat, I think you try to push your glasses up with your face because your glasses are slipping down, and, but you've got a microphone or a Bible in your hand or whatever, and you can't do it, so you just push them up. But it, it does a funny expression to everyone else. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. They're like, and everybody, yeah, you do. And I'm like, how much do I do it? And they're like, no, no one wanted to say. Like, a lot. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I get out of the car that day, and I, I remember walking back to the unit where I was just going, what do I do? About, how do you stop that? And this is what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. Because as you know yourself, you can better lead yourself. But just before I jump in, I'm going to give you quickly five practical things that you can do that works towards transformation in your life around things that you think, I want to change this behavior in me. But it's important to understand the difference between behavior modification and heart and mind transformation. Behavior modification is around the things that you do. Heart and mind transformation is around the way that you see. If you have a look at this slide here, I have these three little phrases. How I see, what I do, and what result I get. So if you want to be a more um, 
gracious, loving father. And you don't want to be so, you know, heightened with your kids when they're mucking around. You can work on trying to do things. You can listen to a podcast that says, next time your kids do this, do this. This is called behavior modification. And it's helpful. You get tips. But I don't know if you've realized this in life. Behavior modification only goes so far. Because what really needs to happen is not just changing my behavior, but actually changing the way I see. The way I see my children when they're in that situation. The way I see myself. So when I'm in Woolworths, or sorry, a supermarket, I want to plug anyone over the other, or Coles, or Audi, IGA, Spa. Gosh, I'm feeling bad just in case anyone sees this. We're not advertising anyone. When I'm in there and someone in my family, it could be my wife, it could be my kids, they have a meltdown. Because this literally happened. And someone's having a meltdown. It wasn't Teresa. And a, and a gentleman walked up to me and said, well, in my day, what we used to do. And as that person walked off, I wanted to do, remember in high school, ankle taps? I wanted to just go like that and have that person fall over. But I didn't because um, God is working on my heart and my responses. But I felt so frustrated. But you know what I tried to do in the moment? I tried my very best with the very best behavior management I knew to control the situation because I was afraid of how other people were going to judge or interpret how I was parenting. That's behavior modification. But what's been happening is transformation. As I start to see those situations differently, and I see myself differently. And I realize it doesn't matter what that person thinks. It matters how my child who's in my care feels in that moment. And it matters what's happening in me. Because I'm accepted. Because I'm beloved of God. And I'm going to be okay. And this is so important. So how do we change the way that we see? Well, um, here is five steps I've caught on how we morph. Number one, pause. We've got to pause. awkward and uncomfortable, isn't it? But when we do, actually what happens apart from the anxiety you had around what's he doing at the moment, is our bodies start to slow down. Dan spoke last week about paying attention to our bodies. You feel your adrenaline start to settle. And pausing is the first step in this process. If we don't pause and we just cruise on doing activity after activity, busy, busy, we never get a chance to actually stop and work out what's happening. How do I need to see what's happening in my life? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. The phrase he often withdrew is a very important thing in understanding the model that Jesus gave to his disciples and his followers about understanding you can be busy and you can be responding in ministry to the concerns and needs of everyone all the time. 
but we need to slow down and we need to pause. The second thing is, when we pause, we need to begin the process of reflecting. We need to reflect. We need to consider our ways, as we read earlier. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, this is the Psalm of David. And what an amazing prayer to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Research tells us that those who reflect for 15 minutes a day, that within two weeks will see a dramatic change. This is a, uh, gosh, it was either Harvard or Stanford study. Um, will see a dramatic change in their behavior at their work because they've consciously spent time thinking through their work day. Now, here's what I know. Anyone I've worked with so far, I've never had one person say, yep, I did reflection for 15 minutes every day. So I start, I kind of use like micro habits. I say to people, listen, take 60 seconds. Everyone almost always does more. But take 60 seconds and do a scan through the last 24 hours of your day and think about what happened, your interactions with others, anything that upset you. Did you tell the truth? Did you respond poorly or did you respond really well to someone? Because you can learn positively and negatively. You can learn from, wow, that was so good. I want to keep doing that. And you can learn from, wow, that was not helpful. I don't want to continue that. And just that scan through that process of reflecting and inviting the Holy Spirit into that moment and saying, God, would you show me things that are not loving that are not about loving my neighbor, so that I can be transformed and I can see my neighbor, I can see the situation differently and I can see myself the way you see me. And the reality is we can choose to be reflective or reactive. Being reflective is when someone says something to us, we pause before we respond. And we pay attention to what's happening in our bodies and we go, oh, gosh, I feel a little triggered by that comment. I'm like, oh, I want to just put that person in my place. But pausing will serve you well. And then reflecting instead of being reactive in the immediate situation or in longer term situations can do incredible things in your heart and your life to both serve you and also bless others. The third thing we can do is going to the process of what we call renew. Renewing is seeing differently. So we reflect about how things have been and we look at our reality and the consequence. We look at our tendencies. Oh, wow, I've got a tendency to do this. So that's reflection, slowing down, becoming self-aware. Renewing is beginning to see things in its right place, in, its, in the right way. And this is where we have this famous passage in Romans 12, 2 that says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You've got to pause and reflect to know if you are, by the way, doing that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then you will know. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
This is the process of renewing our mind, which is what the word repentance means, to change your mind, to see differently, to see from God's perspective. And it's a beautiful gift when it takes place. Can you imagine Mother Teresa in the traffic of Calcutta getting super uptight, angry, in rage, and getting out of the car ready to go and beat some people? Of course you don't. No one's ever written about that of her life as far as I'm aware. Because she learned to see people and traffic and the people in those cars and on those animals differently. Because how we see frames how we will act, what we do, which is our behavior modification. Fourth thing is be and do. Be and do. This is about who we're being and then what we do, our actions follow from who we are. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word. The word is logos, meaning the teachings of our Lord. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This is important that in this process of pausing, of reflecting, of renewing our mind, that we begin to take actions to actually change and by faith and obedience do the things that God is inviting us to do. And the last and fifth thing is this. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward. And and this is to celebrate. This is such an incredibly important aspect of transformation, celebrating. On the 27th of November, when we have our Thanksgiving service, you know what we're going to do? We are going to party. We are going to celebrate. We're going to have a massive lunch to celebrate God at work in our community, in our lives, and what He's doing through us. And isn't it funny that we celebrate someone's birthday, as we should. Hey, it's so awesome you're alive and you're in the world and you were born. Happy birthday. Even if they didn't even do anything for it. It's a good thing. We should do it. And we accept you and we love you as is. And we sing a song about it to them. But when was the last time someone came up and sang you a song and celebrated and took you out for dinner because you used to be really judgmental and now you're not so judgmental? You used to be super angry and uptight all the time and now you're calm and peaceful. Hey, you're a peaceful, peaceful person now, Greg, and I want to celebrate you. It's a great song. And... um. That doesn't happen, right? It's, we don't do that in our culture. But what if we started to do it? What if it, in our marriages, in our families, in our, in our parenting, with our friends, we actually shared stories of how God is changing us? And I've got to tell you today, the guy standing in front of you is a guy who's learning to be calmer when things are out of control. The guy standing in front of you today is a guy who was very defensive because I was perfectionistic and I didn't want to ever fail or be wrong and I wanted to look successful. But now I'm I'm less defensive. I'm less reactive. And I celebrate God's transforming work in my lives. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Podcast today. Remember that you can stay up to date with the podcast by subscribing on whichever platform you're listening to right now. On Thursday, we're going to be releasing a new episode of the Pondering Series. This time, we're talking with Daniel Geddes, and he's going to expand on the thought of embodiment that he shared on last week. 
So if you're interested in a more conversational approach, delving deeper, asking big questions about embodiment and his journey in that, be sure to check that out. Otherwise, we would love it if you could like, follow, and even give us a five-star review. It all helps in getting the good news out there. You can also head to our website, goodlife.org.au, or our YouTube for video content and resources. Until next time, peace.